I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast, where we talk about arcades in a classic way. We're very classic. As we do every week. And how are you, Carrington? I'm awesome. I'm classic. And <laughs> you heard? Of Didn't you listen? You are. Of course you are. <laughs> By classic, I mean old. Yeah, I certainly felt old playing playing the game this week. The game that you picked. Mm, no, this was you. Was it? No, I'm just trying to get oh. out of it because I really didn't like this game. Because <laughs> could, you could have convinced me. I'm like, oh, maybe I did pick it. <laughs> I don't know. It was a week ago. Oh yeah. Well, the good thing is it 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 brought us back to our our battling. We've been we've been duking it out on Twitter, sending screenshots back and forth. We were slacking until until I was able to run up the score on you, and then I'm happy to trash talk. The screenshots ended poorly for me. Oh, no. no I'm very, very happy about the way there, that went. There's a hint to how this, this episode ends score-wise. <laughs> I'm not happy about it. Ugh, so frustrating. Everything about this game is frustrating. Ugh, this game, this stinking game. Oh, my wife got to listen to me soliloquize. Is that a word? <laughs> no, I, swear. I this, swear is the word you're I was, There was swearing in the soliloquy. I, there was a 20-minute monologue about how this game had to be cheating, <laughs> and I was going to go into the ROM and find the code where it was cheating and show everybody. You'll show them. You'll uh, show them. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, though. Uh, I yes. think we have some feedback first. We do have some feedback. Why don't you take it away, Carrington? Uh, sure. We got, a, we got a few things. Let's see. Pick some here at random. Chuck wrote us on Facebook saying, Hey guys, I have been reliving every quarter I dropped into an arcade game listening to your podcast at work. Uh, I would love to purchase vintage games of my own or build my own MAME cabinet. Where would you suggest seeking out vintage game cabinets without overpaying? So we'll come back to that one. Uh, recent Craigslist searches in the Chicago area seem to be quite a bit more than what I expected. <laughs> Keep looking, dude. Yeah, yeah Craigslist to, and also online. Anyway, let's go. I'd like to put a pin in that. So we'll come back and talk about that sure, for a bit. Sure. I got ideas. Um, I found your podcast from a suggestion on the Underground Retrocade Facebook page, so thank you very much to them. Hope you guys are able to visit that location after they relocate. Is there another 80s arcade very near to the Underground Retrocade? I think we're going to have news about that too, aren't we? We are. I think from somebody else. Oh, how this is all coming together. Um, <laughs> so he says, the game I would <laughs> love to hear you review is Lunar Lander. Oh, there's a class. Mm. Oh, um, one, yeah. yeah. One summer in the early 80s, I found an ice cream shop slash arcade. Oh, that sounds just great. Ice cream shop slash arcade. I would like to be in one right now. I'd never leave. <laughs> well, on a fishing trip to Bellevue, Iowa. There in that shop, I got hooked on Lunar Lander. It wasn't so much a rapid fire vector game as Asteroids was, and it required a bit of finesse. Another vector game I liked a lot was Battlezone. There was something about looking through a periscope that made it fun. Dual joysticks too. Uh, sign me up. Keep up the great work and hope you make it to the Northwest Chicago suburb soon. Also, Atari 2600 Pac-Man still sucks, but I still have mine along with 14 other 2600 titles. Go vintage or stay home. Excellent feedback, Chuck. I liked it. I think you actually wrote back to him, didn't you, Mike? I sure did. Do you remember what you said? I sure do not. Okay. <laughs> I think you told him. Let me see. You told him that I would be making it to the Underground Retrocade thingy. Isn't that where I'm going next weekend? Well, I don't know, Carrington, where you're going next weekend. <laughs> I think I'm going you, there. To their, you might want their... to figure that out before you get on your motorcycle and start driving. I might want to head west, see what happens. <laughs> so, yes, I will be heading there uh, next weekend. I think it's, it, guys, it's next weekend already? I guess it is. I think it is, Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, so I will be heading out, probably head out late Friday, but I won't be able to make it there right away. I'll get in on Saturday. I'm looking forward to that. I think you also wrote back that, yes, Lunar Lander, definitely going on to our list of games. I think it probably already was on our list of games to talk about, and Battlezone as well. And I'm with him on the Periscope. That's one of the things that drew me to that game. And when we review it, we'll no doubt talk about that, that, that iconic cabinet with the plastic molding and the, the Periscope. So you can go up and stick your face into the same dirty bit of arcade <laughs> cabinet that all the other people did, catch a cold and play a game. Ew. Um, I know. I'm never disgusting. playing that game again. <laughs> Now that I think about it, but still, come on, how awesome was that cabinet and that game? I am a huge fan of Battlezone. Me so, too. Yeah, difficult yeah. to difficult to emulate, but um, we, we might just have to find a real arcade and play it. No, I'm going to have somebody come over and just like hold goggles to my head <laughs> and, and give me a cold. <laughs> so you gave him, I think you gave him an idea for finding cabinets. One was to check out the 
Do you pronounce it Klov, Klov, Killer List of Video Games? I have a problem with the fact that they seem to have like 15 different names. There's Klov and there's also Arcade Museum and like... Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that all sort of falls under that. I think it started out as a Killer List of Video Games though, and that's why they stick Because to they're that. also... That's VAPS, right? The Vintage Arcade Preservation Society is also them. Just go to, to arcade-museum.com and click on the forums button. You'll go right where you need to go. Sometimes the forums are mean there to newbies. It's it can be a little rough, <laughs> he says, with experience. Yeah, they can they can be a little hard on on new people over there. But uh, if you stick around and ask the right questions and ignore as much as you can the the mean people that make Carrington cry, you'll probably get the <laughs> not only the answers that you're looking for as far as where to buy cabinets, but you get a lot of really great help on how to fix stuff that isn't working. Places I would suggest staying away from essentially are any buy it now auction on eBay because they will list games that you should be able to get for $400 will be listed for $1,200 plus shipping on eBay. It's crazy, crazy eBay costing. I do not get it at all. And also um, a lot of places that sell them, like if you buy it from somebody who's has like a store or a business whose job is to s- sell arcade games. Clearly, they're they're flipping them for money, right? So they're they're wanting to buy them for three to five hundred dollars and sell them for a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. Like that's what. Now you'll get a, a cleaned up game. Ideally, you get a game you know is working. There's even a place. Okay, there's going to be a link in our show notes, and I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I saw somebody online somewhere recently, so my history's going to have it, where they suggested a store to buy from. And I was like, oh my goodness, another store. And it was somewhere in the Northeast, so maybe in the Chicago-y kind of area, right? So why they said you should buy from that store is they give... They give a decent warranty. It was like you get a full year warranty or something like that. And a lot of places that sell arcade games, it's, you know, you get it, you turn it on, you hope. That's what, that's what you get. So at least these people give a warranty. But they also do a thing where for some long period, for like a five-year period, they lock in a guaranteed cost to fix or replace any components of the of the of of any game they sell. So they'll say if your monitor goes... For any reason, it's $40 and we'll give you a new monitor. And if the mother logic board goes for any reason, whatever that logic board is, we will give you a new logic board for $30 or whatever. Now, all those parts add up and probably the costs are more than I'm saying. And you could buy these things cheaper. But if you're not looking to be somebody who says, oh, if it dies, I got to go on the net and try to find this stuff. And you buy this locally. That sounded like a good deal to me. Like you'd have a way to keep it working for five years and know that you're not going to get burned for a thousand dollars or something. So I like that. I'll find what that story is. I've no personal experience with it, but I remember reading thinking, Hey, that sounds cool. And I will stick that into the show notes. So wherever it is, it'll be in uh monsterfeed.com slash no quarter. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's uh, reassuring if you don't have the time or the money or the expertise to fix the mm. machine yourself. Uh, Rob O'Hara Flack has talked about that a few times. I think a few people have who either own or have owned arcade games and the owning of them comes with it an obligation to keep working on it it's sort of like if you're into motorcycles and you choose to own a 1950s triumph motorcycle rather than a modern one you're you're having a second hobby which is the fixing of your first hobby and that seems to be part and parcel with owning an actual classic vintage arcade game uh there is a place here in denver i think i've mentioned before actually the game exchange of colorado Mm -hmm. they're an arcade sales business that's kind of what they do they sell the, the arcade games and are their prices the, outrageous uh they are if you want a perfect condition galaga game or something like that but they have a lot of sort of eh, we'll call them well-loved models that you can get for a little bit less and maybe pick them up yourself but what's great about them is in the back they've got this really big service department with like four or five old guys that stand around and smoke cigarettes all day and you can get an arcade game with that vintage arcade smell. <laughs> right. Right. Now, uh, they, they won't give you anything uh, other than advice if you don't pay for it. But if you go back there, I found out that I've gone back there and, and when I had that collection of, of dead arcade boards before I sold them, they were very knowledgeable and friendly and helpful answering questions about what this is and how that works and where I could find something. So, And that's an advantage. I do find that the... The vintage arcade community can be a bit rowdy, can be a bit tough on noobs, but for the most part, it's people who really like this stuff. Like it's a niche hobby. So if you just reach out and say, Hey, I'm looking to buy stuff from and just post things online, you'll get people giving you feedback and you'll get people giving advice. And it's, it is a nice community in a lot of ways. Like 
you know, it's a little rabble rousing in some places, but for, <laughs> but I do find it's a really fun community. Like I, I've really enjoyed this last couple of years where I've gotten seriously back into vintage arcade gaming. Lots of great people in this community. Yeah, I dig it. So that was some feedback. Dane wrote to send us the link for the game supplier for the KC um, Alamo Drafthouse. Remember how we were saying how it had games? Now it seems to have no games. What's going on? So it seems, and I love this title, it's somebody called, or someplace called Supernova Vending. And uh, they have a website, which is arcadesupernova.com. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And I liked that from the Arcade Supernova uh, website, they say they've got, at the moment, in three different locations around the Kansas City area, they have arcade games set up. So it's a company that does that. Like, hey, if you want to have arcade games at your bar, at your business, at whatever, they'll help you set it up. That's really cool. And they say, we are testing the quarter model at Screenland Armor. We know the 25 cent per play model worked in 1982, but not sure yet if it works in 2013. Uh, if you have a bar or a game room, a game room will get people to stay and play for hours while drinking. But it's interesting. So they're, they've got their game set up now, not as a, you know, pay a certain amount and get free play. It's don't pay, you know, $5, $15, $25, whatever, and play all day for free. Instead, it's pop in actual quarters to play the games. So Mike, what do you think? Good idea? Bad idea? What? Sounds fine to me. I think so, too. I mean, I suspect that you'll get a lot of casual players. Like, kids run up and they want to play a game. Parent can say, oh, sure, whatever. Let's break a couple of bucks. And maybe they won't even play $5 worth of game, so it's technically cheaper. If you're going to spend the whole day there, it's probably probably more expensive. But if it's at a bar, most people just put their coins in. True. Yeah. I would do that, but I'm a sucker for arcade games, so I'll, mm. I'll, put, I'll put quarters in just about anything. I like the idea of it a lot, too, because there's something I kind of – miss that when i play in in modern locations where it's the pay once i like the economics of that you drop 15 bucks and you play all day that sounds awesome i like that very very much and that's a great deal but there's something you miss viscerally from putting a quarter or a token into a machine oh absolutely yeah. and i miss the sound of that a little bit so it'd be kind of cool if they had those floating around even if it was for free so i could put it in i've i've considered on my own two machines trying to convert them over to, to actually take quarters and have a little basket of quarters beside them maybe i could limit my gameplay that way um it's okay i only get to have a dollar today try to get a new high score and grab a tar a friend of mine has a um, had a, a birthday party recently and he had an old had a couple of old cabinets there i forget what they were they they weren't games that i was interested in playing at the time Snob. Well, it was like kangaroo and, and... I like kangaroo. You don't. Nobody likes kangaroo. I think I do. I like scramble, so screw you all. I like scramble. I couldn't have played them anyway because there were enough people sort of gathered around them mm -hmm. and waiting to play that it would have been a long wait. Um, but it was fun to watch other people play, and he had the the quarter drop function turned on on those machines. He wasn't charging anyone, uh, but people really seemed to enjoy the just the act of putting the quarter in the machine and getting the response press one to play or whatever yeah it's fun and and the sound of it you know there's something about that that quarter drop yeah i dig it um oh you know what uh what? we have related feedback david wrote to say if we are going to illinois to uh, an arcade you have and that's all capitals have to try these two they are run by the same person. Games are mint and use real quarters, not tokens. I'm heading down there tomorrow, and it's over a 3.5-hour drive and well worth it. So he gave us the links to two of these. There's VintageVideoGames.com and BloomingtonNormalCVB.org. Oh, my goodness. I can't read the domain name. <laughs> So, but I did check out the links before, and this really excites me because I think that brings me to a count of four potential arcades for me to check out that weekend. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of arcade activity in in and around the Chicago area. Maybe that's because it was for for such a long time it was the home of like all the pinball manufacturers, and this is sort of the the spinoff of that, right? After Effects or something. But yeah, your your schedule is filling up there, pal. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm just so looking forward to it. I can't wait. So Sweet. it's awesome. And there's one more bit of feedback I thought I'd throw out there that I think we should do oh, is, do. is uh, Rob O'Hara, Flack, who we just talked about. Mm. He posted something amazing on our <laughs> No Quarter site uh, linking to a video. He writes, a few years back in an attempt to, to promote, I made a few 
informational YouTube videos. One was how to drill out arcade locks. <laughs> and I used my Zaxxon cabinet as an example. So we're going to have a link to that video, nice. drilling arcade locks, which is awesome. And by by him linking to that, it let me know that he has a whole YouTube channel, you know, just users RoboHera, or RoboHera, as I like to pronounce it in my mind, with 84 videos. I was like, holy cow, dude, what is this? So I've watched the one so far, and I've bookmarked it, and I'm quite excited to make my way through those videos. So Excellent. that's totally awesome. But this one was great. So yes. I, I really dug looking at the how to drill out arcade locks. Yeah. I'm going to be bringing a drill with me when I go to Chicago. <laughs> Just to drill some locks out of arcade cabinets. Excuse me, sir. I'm going to drill your, your lock out here. Uh, speaking of Rob O'Hara, Vintage Volts wrote, you guys were, it was you and Rob and Vivi and I, I think somebody else were talking about the, the hollow emptiness of MAME and, and <laughs> how if you're on, on free play, you just might as well kill yourself because that's how depressing it is. Well, on the games that have like, we're designed for the whole continue, continue, continue stuff. And right. You yeah. take away the quarter mm-hmm. and it becomes an empty, empty victory. Vintage Volts added to your thread. He says the, uh, the, the first developers to consider putting continue features in games on a regular basis were probably fans of the Doom novel and got the idea from there. The commonly displayed phrase, add coins to continue, is simply a metaphor for milk the cat if you want to live, a fate <laughs> which, I can't even pronounce that name because I didn't read the novel, was made to bear. Uh, Lin Taishin wrote in, I think he was the one who recently posted a picture of his son or daughter playing a, an, ar- an arcade mm-hmm. game and probably yep. doing better than we do. Almost certainly. Um, well, his I think both of his kids are better programmers than we are already. He says, finally completed all episodes. I started listening a few episodes ago. Uh, the game in Bishop of Battle looks familiar. Is it Satan's Hollow or question mark? I can't remember. Which, which what do you sucks, mean? huh? Well, I, I can't, do you remember? Well, I, it's not my job to remember. It's your job. That's why I hired you. <laughs> can't remember as well. We talked about I remember the kid is JJ. <laughs> I remember that she, it's Emilio Estevez. I remember the effects. I thought it was a custom-made thing that they did. I think it was, too. I, so I, I'm going to say no, and then I'm going to watch the, watch the video again, because I actually really dug it. It's on YouTube. You can look at it. A few episodes ago, we, we have a link to it, uh, The Bishop of Battle, which is part of the uh, Nightmare film, which was one of those ones with four horror tales in it. And we have a couple, and we do have something else to talk about that's uh, also on YouTube that you just absolutely have to watch, but we'll get there in just a minute. <laughs> oh, whatever, dude. Yeah, we'll get there. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> Christopher Titchenell wrote in, said, that great documentary on a great game series. There is a... Documentary on YouTube called I Am Street Fighter about the Street Fighter arcade series. I'm not a fight game fan, but I watched this and it's really good. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, cool. I didn't, worth watching. I didn't. I'm going to. So I Am Street Fighter. I'll make sure that I uh, add that to the note. Vintage Volts also wrote in with another limerick. This one a little bit sadder than the previous ones. Because <laughs> he couldn't guess the game. He couldn't guess the game. And so he wrote in, I, I'll attempt to gracefully admit defeat in, in an expected way. There once was a listener named Vintage whose face became a sad visage. When pondering a name over the sound of a game, frail memory became a disadvantage. Excellent. I like it. I like it too. Failure. In fact, almost... <laughs> Everybody failed. Did anybody guess what this week's game was? I don't think anyone got I this think one. the no. sound I got to admit the sound snippet that you selected really made it sound like a shooting game. Well, and there was one particular effect in this game that if I had it included in the clip would have given it away. But you didn't. No, and that would have been the the avatar falling from one level yep. to another. Yes. And so that's I guess like. that's a well no, it's not not time to transition to that yet because we do have to talk about at least one other thing. I tricked you, Carrington, Ugh. into watching a certain movie. <laughs> Hollywood Zap. Tucker Down was a bumbling young innocent who came to Hollywood to find his dreams. But instead, he found something even bigger. You like? Hey, Hollywood Zap. It's a big story. It's a little story. But most of all, it's a sensitive story. That's my sensitive spot. Tucker's adventure began when he met Nash, 
a horny retired Wall Street broker who taught him how to hustle on the strip. Mm, give me your punk pal. Working together, they had a ball. They're the wildest team of adventurers you ever saw. Hollywood Zap. It's their fortune. They'll have to fight for it. They'll have to love for it. Uh, it took your top off. They'll even have to dress up for it. Are you with the hospital nurse? Yes, ma'am. Dr. Prokofsky sent me for the file. But together, they're going to hustle themselves a fortune. Go for it! Hollywood Zap! Directed by David Cohen, one of America's new breed of action comedy filmmakers. Hollywood Zap is where a lot of people have bad habits. And good habits. I design this. Hollywood Zap is where you'll see the penultimate punk pounce. <laughs> Hollywood Zap features Chuck Mitchell, who everybody loved in the smash hit, Porky's. Hollywood Zap is where a boy becomes a man. Hollywood Zap, it was everything Hollywood promised it, and more. Hollywood Zap. So Mike sends me email saying, hey, have you seen this? Just, yo, just nice little email. Hey, have you seen this movie? And it's the full film is on YouTube, and it's called Hollywood Zap. And me, foolishly, thinking that Mike and I are friends, <laughs> that he would send me something <laughs> Foolish man. That, that I should watch, I go, well, that's excellent. It's, it's a, like an 80s arcade-based kind of movie. Mm -hmm. 1986. So I'm like, well, this is right up my wheelhouse, as they say. So I decide not to even watch it on my computer. I've got an Apple TV. I fire up the YouTube thing on that. I think that's how I watch it. I watch it, yeah, through YouTube on the Apple TV. I know I watch it on my television some way. I'm starting so maybe to feel bad for you. Oh, you should. So I sit down, <laughs> nice little cold beverage, decide to watch this movie. What have you done to me? <laughs> my eyes still burn. <laughs> so this movie, which is a, uh, a trauma film, so Lloyd Kaufman, and I'm a big fan of B-movies. I'm a fan of horror movies. This isn't a horror, other than, you know, I felt horrific watching it. <laughs> but I'm a fan of indie film. I'm a fan of low-budget films, B-films, all that kind of stuff. And I'm a fan of arcades, and I'm a fan of movies in the 80s and the 80s style. And, like, there's so much here that I, I should have loved this film. <laughs> But this film is is just like, what's going on, man? It's about this guy. It's kind of about this guy, this very weird looking guy with this. He's just a nerd who likes arcade games. He's a he's an interesting looking nerd. He likes arcade games and he's looking for his dad, his long lost father. And he's from the South and he meets up with this and he gets called Downer. Yeah. So he's called Downer by this other fellow he meets who's sort of a con artist. And he's got this really, really short, weirdly quasi-punk girlfriend. And he cons people by playing Zaxxon. So that's like part of, you know, it's Zaxxon It's a related. subplot. It's a valid it's a subplot. Zaxxon subplot. Yeah. It gives him motivation for the things that he does. The casual racism in this movie from this guy, the stuff he says, I'm like, you can't say stuff like that. It's unbelievable what these people say in this movie. That I guess it's one of those you could say that in the 80s and... But wow, you couldn't say this stuff now. In if you were spending twenty five dollars on a film, which I, I'm convinced they didn't spend any more than that, and you were convinced no one was ever going to see it, yeah, you could get away with that. What was the thing that was spray painted on the back of the arcade? Well, okay, so that's the the arcade, which I don't I'm, I don't think it was a real arcade. I think it was. Uh, oh, I think it was. Was no, it? No, I, I think this was a corner of of somebody's office, and they put cardboard walls up and stuck its Zaxxon cabinet in front of it because. Around the Zaxxon game, spray-painted were the rules for the arcade. <laughs> no gambling, no drugs, and no sex. No sex. <laughs> because apparently people are just banging there in the arcade while, it, while other people are playing, and they needed to make sure that didn't happen. And there is the obligatory uh, quasi-nudity in this. He beats this girl on this beach, comes back and gets topless, and then oh. goes away for no... It's a horrible scene. I'm like, why is that even in this film? <laughs> I swear, this is a... This is a an 80s porn movie without the porn. The it's, acting, the lighting, the music is all that bad. It really, really is. You you have to see this. If you have not seen this film, you yeah. owe it to yourself to watch it and then watch it again. Yeah, because so when we'll you have watch a it link. the second time, you will see the lobster claw 
that has a motor in it, apparently, that uh, the, the the gambler uses to go after people. It, it, it looks like basically he's taking a lobster claw and sort it of It doesn't carved. have a motor. It's supposed to. Well, you can just see he's shaking his hand. Oh, it's like a clapping is. thing. <laughs> he shakes his hand and it claps up and down. It's supposed to pretend it's motorized. He's cut this – he's cut like jagged <laughs> dinosaur teeth into it or something. And so when he shakes it, I think it's supposed to simulate like a Pac-Man yeah. avatar and that's how he takes – Takes care of his enemies or something. I don't he know. He scares them all. He they, he does that, and then everybody wants to Nothing run away. Nothing in this movie makes sense. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. The ending is ridiculous. Like I was like, what? That's how you end? The guy's on a search for his father. I don't want to spoil it. Who his father turns out to be? What his father turns out to be? <laughs> but you definitely won't guess. Oh. <laughs> anyway, it's called Hollywood Zap. Mike inflicted on me, and I guess Ooh. we're now inflicting it on all of you. Indeed. And we'll have a link. Oh my goodness, a link in the show notes to the whole movie on YouTube. Um, but it's neat to see the video games. Well, both of us should have been warned when we saw the, the, the trauma. I like a lot of trauma films. I do, and trauma is known, uh, for sort of cheap, fun B movie mm-hmm. horror flicks usually. They don't do a lot of this stuff. It's usually, I think their biggest series was, uh, The Toxic Avenger. Yes. And Tromeo and Juliet was a right. big one. But, yeah. but that should have been an indication as to sort of what, what we were getting ourselves into, only it just went downhill from there. I mean, it's not up to the quality standards of things like Sergeant Kabuki Man. <laughs> oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Several interesting things about Troma. One, they're still in business after all this time because they've Lloyd done, Kaufman, man. Yeah. Well, what they've done is they've stopped producing any of their own new content. They now buy other people's content yes. and then repackage it and sell it. And so they've made a, a probably not comfortable, but a, a, a subsistence, uh, from, from doing this. Uh, they recently released a whole lot of their catalog on YouTube. Some of them are free, like this one, and some are they, you know, you, you pay $2 for, for a two day rental or something like that. I did notice there is one actual actor that I, that I recognized from this movie. Really? Tony Cox is a, an African American dwarf who has oh, appeared sure. yes. in a he lot of this. stuff and he was in this and he is the only, only, well, actually that's not true. There's him and then there's, and I don't, I'm drawing a blank on the, the, the actor's name. Uh, he played a dual role in this movie that the two roles had nothing to do with each other other than that he was in one office where he sent our hero to another office and he was at that other office. The guy from Porky's. Character. He was in Porky's. He was in Better Off Dead. He, he was, was Porky in yeah. Porky's. Yeah. Uh, he was in Better Off Dead. He was a bunch oh, of Better of, Off Dead. Now that's yeah. a classic 80s yes. movie. He was in a bunch of 80s teen movies. Well, he's in this too. So. Yep. The the movie, while it is, yes, completely without value or merit, still, you should watch it. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, yeah, because we watched it, so you have to watch uh, that's it. That's right. Please. Mr. Private, sir, I've come all the way from Meridian, Mississippi to find him. I don't have much money. I, I don't know what I could give you. All I got are, are a couple sweet taters. Hmm. Sweet taters. Hmm. Sweet, all right. Mr. Downs, your sweet taters are of no interest to this firm. I'm sorry. I cannot disclose any business between your father and I. Not for all the sweet taters in the world. Our firm stands on its reputation of strict confidentiality. I don't know what I can give you. What do you want? Mr. Downs, this appointment's over. No, Mr. Provin, I'm sorry. It's just, you're my only lead. I, I don't know where my daddy is, whether he's alive or dead or what. Please, just tell me where he is. Mr. Dallas, you're wasting your time and mine. Now forget about the past. You won't change it. Get on with your life, your job. You do have a job, don't you? Yes, sir. I'm assistant store manager back home. Well, goody, goody, goody. You've done well for yourself without your father. I get cases like this every day. Sons trying to find their fathers. Mothers trying to find their sons. All with the same dismal results. Oh, get on with it, son. Live. 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 Live! Please, don't call me, son. Before we move on, I do have one... Uh, I have two pieces of news. One that pertains to us. and uh, The first one is is uh, we've... We started this saying, we're going to have a new episode... By, uh, every Sunday. That hasn't happened. It's been like Tuesday lately. Largely because I've been lazy and haven't been editing on time. So I'm just gonna go ahead and say that from now on episodes will be released between 
Sunday and Tuesday. I like it. Yeah, me too. We're not saying which Sunday or which Tuesday. Well, yeah, exactly. But there will be one new episode every week. Yep. So I, I do apologize for the delays. Depending and, on Mike's and, laziness. <laughs> exactly. That's that's what's happening. Says that's the guy why. who doesn't do any of the actual editing. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is, uh, in keeping with our tradition of, of timely reports on gaming events that just happened that you can't go to anymore... <laughs> Uh, PAX Prime happened last weekend. Ah, was it fun? <laughs> did well, people who go and enjoy it? <laughs> the guy that did the Space Invaders movie was there, and he took a whole bunch of pictures and put them on Facebook. So now, this is the one him, that's in um, Seattle, right? Yes. It's PAX Prime? Uh, he, all of his I photos think. and the, his write-up are, are up there, and you can check out the fun that you missed if you didn't go. I did see something interesting. There's something called the Atari Arcade Battle Royale, which I guess is sponsored by Microsoft. And we'll have a link to to how that works, and because I didn't read it, but the pictures look really pretty, so I thought I'd mention it. I like pretty pictures. Um, and that brings us to this week's game, game of disappointment. Carrington, mm. what was this week's game? <sighs> this week's game was Load Runner. Load Runner, but that's a home computer game. Yes, and it should have stayed that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this uh, original. Most people, if they are wise and wonderful people, they will immediately think of the home computer version. In fact, they will immediately think of the Apple II version, the one true version <laughs> of Love Runner. Certainly far and away the most popular. Yes, Douglas E. Smith's Baby from 1983. 150 levels, crazy number of levels in the arcade game, and this, uh, I think it's a 28 by 16 grid, one of the first home games ever to be released with a level editor just an iconic perfect wonderful one of the all-time best games ever and then there's the arcade version that we played this week which just which improves is, on it right Karen? Oh, god we recently talked about a bunch of things we didn't like about other games and they all come to a head in this game <laughs> the idea of adding a timer to games the idea of taking great looking iconic and very simple graphics and gussing them up with a bunch of colors and extra bits that just are gaudy and don't work monkeying with gameplay that was like all of that comes in load runner i have so much to say about this game that i don't like <laughs> I, I look forward to this episode because i'm going to be ranting you're just gonna bash it and rant oh, yes so this was made by I think it's IREM. IREM licensed it from, from Bruderbund. I and think they that's did how you Moon them. Patrol, I think. I know them as the Moon Patrol guys, uh, and we talked done, about that. Yeah, they've done actually a ton of games. Oh, they did? You're right. I just looked it up. They did a game called Lot Lot and Atomic Ooh, Punk. Gotta play that. And they did Hook from the movie tie-in. See, that's the kind of company <laughs> we're dealing with here. A company that would be willing to make a Hook movie tie-in. Oh, and they Aww. did Ninja Baseball Batman. I might actually want to play that. <laughs> That just sounds like fun. <laughs> and they have a game whose title is Major Title. <laughs> they license a lot of titles from other game manufacturers, makers. And if you go into... They are the trauma of arcade makers. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you go into the MAME interface, the graphical interface, I, I think like MAME UI has it and probably a few others, and you choose them from the manufacturer's list, you can sort the games by manufacturer. You can see all the different companies that they've worked with, and it's Data East, GDI, mm. Memetron or Memetron, Nintendo, Taito, TechFry, Williams. The list is, goes on and on and on and on. So they're sort of a – I've used this word before for arcades, and, and you said I've never heard this. used with arcade games before. They're a shovelware company, I think, for the most part. They they they, re, they they license and repurpose somebody else's content for the most part. Data East. Mm. I'm looking at you, Data East. <laughs> this says a lot about this game. Home computer version – Almost no memory in this, these things. 8-bit, single, 1 megahertz processors, 150 levels. Arcade version, 24 levels. <laughs> Come on, guys. Well, it's not like it needed more than 24, at least not for now, us. It is true that I can't get past level 16. Level 16 can bite me. but <laughs> I couldn't get past 15. Uh, well, you don't want to get past 15. <laughs> 16 is totally impossible. So the, the gameplay, I, I guess we could talk about that for a minute. It's, it's very simple. You start with a side view. Obviously, the physics in this are, are crazy and insane. You're in the middle of bri this brick and ladder construct. Mm -hmm. It changes a little bit every level. And there are these gold boxes spread out across the level. There's usually four or five of them. And then there are four, or four, three, four or five enemies. And all they do is come after you. You have to grab all the gold. And when you get the last bag, an escape ladder appears, you run up and you go to the next level. And that's really all there is to it. And 
depending on how the brick and ladder construct is laid out and how many enemies there are, it gets more and more difficult as you proceed through the game. Now, what I like about this game is the shooting. Because you've got a laser, but you don't shoot the bad guys. You shoot the ground on either side of you. You and dig a little pit, yes. Digs a pit, and then the bad guys can fall in it. And then unlike something like um, Apple Panic, where you then stamp them down with a shovel, it just after a time, the pit will close in. And if they're still in the pit when it closes in, then they pop away, but then they reappear. You can't get rid of bad guys, but you can sort of temporarily kill them by doing that. You can't shoot them directly. You only shoot the ground and then try to lure them into the pit. They don't have weapons at all. They they just want to hug you. <laughs> so the bad guys want to come up, and if they touch you, they say, tag, you're it, and you lose a man. So it's it's the touch football version of, of bad guys. And for, according to Broder, Broder, Broderbund, if you think I can't pronounce that, coming up is another word that nobody can pronounce. <laughs> the bad guys are part of the – now, I don't know whether you call it the bungling empire, the bungling empire. There's, like, no official pronunciation, but B-U-N-G – E L single L I N G. I always they, said the bungling. Bungling. See, I've always said bungling as well. So that even though it's not really spelled like bungling, so it's the bungling empire, and those are where these bad guys are supposedly from. They're the same bad guys that are in Choplifter on uh, uh, Raid. I think it is on Bungling Bay. Like a whole bunch of games that sort of share this weird, unknown, nefarious bad guy culture of some sort. <laughs> so they're from that. Bruderbund came up with a bunch of these these really fun, simple arcade games and, and home computer games that it really they don't actually require any sort of story whatsoever. Nope. I mean, you can just play through it and have a great time and never know anything about the avatar or the enemies or anything like that. Somebody, for whatever reason, decided, hey, this needs a backstory, and so this is what they came up with, and I, they kind of gave it a half an effort to tie tie in the the games to each other with these these little easter eggs and this sprite appears in in these two games and so that's how these are and they're really just reusing sprites is what's really going on yeah there's there's really no need for the story at all just like nope. there's no need for this game in the arcade oh everything about this game just like when when we were playing Pitfall 2 recently where we both said the graphics immediately make you start thinking that it's a Sega home game like it or it doesn't feel like a Right, it feels like a console game. game. Same thing here. And it's got the same problem again where they introduce a timer, this this countdown thing, which is basically a a bonus point timer. So it's really counting down the extra points you'll get. But if the timer gets to zero before you're off the level, well, you've lost your man. So it's a way to – they have to do something like that, I guess, because of arcades. Because otherwise you could just sort of play indefinitely on this and never just keep running around or – you can get to a point where you could sort of stop in this game. Unlike a lot of games, you can position your man in a way nobody can get at you, and you could just, you know, walk away, go have a sandwich. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you're supposed to. This is a thinking man's game. You're supposed, these are games where you're supposed to be able to take your time. It's all about strategy. And here, instead, it's like, no, rush, 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 because you've, you've got a limited timer on this. And that's a terrible thing to add to this game. The original games had a rather simplistic AI. And that's, that reappears in this game. I think it, it's a little, they may have tweaked it a little bit because I know it's very similar. Well, I noticed in some areas it was a lot smarter about like protecting areas that were hard to get into. Okay. So in level eight, there's down in the corner, there's an area where you have to dig down several levels and right. there were three enemies. And if you even moved over toward that corner, they would immediately run over there because it's almost impossible to dig down with it. If they fall into the pit and, and, they're blocking you. There's nothing you can do because you're stuck in the pit with them and you you end up dying. And you can't dig under them and you're just sort of waiting for doom. Yeah. Right. But it's a very predictable AI for the most part. Every now and then it would do something weird. But 99% of the time you could tell exactly what was going to happen and you could actually manipulate how the enemy was going to move by where you put your your avatar. But that's one of the brilliant things about Load Run, like the original Load Runner, is it's uh, it's got a pathfinding uh, algorithm going on. So you got these bad guys, and if they can make their way to you, they're going to come at you. And if they can't, then they try to stay on the same level as you. So if you go up, they go up, and they stay where they are, and basically it's just trying to get as close to you as they can. Mm -hmm. But there are these weird points on the map, which at first will feel like quirks or bugs or something, where if you get into like on this certain ladder, you go up to the second point, suddenly all the bad guys just want to go up as high as they can. They don't look to come to you. They're just saying, you know what? Let's go up. And 
for the first few levels, like as you're playing Loadrunner, especially the oh, I envy those who have never played it, like on the home version. Mm, so you're yeah. playing Loadrunner, these great puzzle things, and you and you find these quirky points where you're going up a ladder and everyone's coming at you. Then suddenly they turn around again. Then they like, what's going on? And you find these magic sort of spots that that move the men away from you in in, in weird ways. And at first that'll seem like a bug, but with 150 levels in the in the real version of this. There gets to be levels where you have to use that. There'll be these large tracks of area on the bottom where you can't dig. And if the bad guys catch you down there, you can't defend yourself. And if you just run down there, they'll be too close. So you have to go over to a ladder, go up a point, and then just wait. And it'll make the guys walk away from you. And when they get far enough, you can then race along the bottom. And increasingly, that starts to become a strategy you have to use. And, and I like that, and that that has carried over to the arcade game. So I I do like that it has the same quirks, and you, and there's a few levels where you you're supposed to use that to your advantage. So I like that bit, but that again is something I like from the home version. There's not it's not something I like that's been added here. The only thing that's been added here over the home version that I think might be an improvement is you have two buttons, and you can dig on either side of you. You don't in the home version you dig the way you're facing. So if you want to dig something. If somebody's chasing you, you have to run far enough that you can then sort of go past it, turn around, and then dig. Whereas here, you can just sort of stop and fire left or right, and it makes it easier. So I like that. Yeah, I I feel like I this was just sort of a candy coating of the home version. Yeah. But it was not like a nice, I don't know, candy cane peppermint candy coating or, or a delicious Godiva coating, <laughs> chocolate coating where you stick it in your mouth and it's, mm, it's delicious and it melts and it tastes good. It's more like a sort of a marzipan where you, you, it looks beautiful and you bite into it and you're just like, oh, what is this? But just every gross. change they made other than the double button thing, I didn't like. Like, I don't like the new graphics. I definitely don't like the colors. Blue. It's supposed to be blue. <laughs> <laughs> just- <laughs> it's certainly a brighter, uh, more detailed color scheme <sighs> with the... The sprites and everything that there's a, there's now a, a musical soundtrack that plays over and over in the background and it's, it's horrible. It varies a little bit, but not, almost not at all. It's the same thing and it's like five seconds long it's, on it's repeat. A, well, it's about 10 or 15 bars, I think. And I don't know. My games took maybe 15, 20 minutes up to maybe a half an hour, uh, per game. Show off. And, and oh my God, so annoying. Uh, the, the music is just, it's like, it's this this rant this this fingernails on a chalkboard. Yeah, I have, and it's not that it's horrible. It's just that there's so little of it, and it just repeats. Sprites. So, what they tried to do as part of this this marzipan the bad coating, guys. yeah, the, <laughs> the 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 marzipan coating part of this was every third level. I think you get the little cutscene of you running away from a different enemy, and and I think the first ones are these little blue haired cavemen, which I thought were kind of cute at first. Yeah, I like the cavemen. And then the next one were these like what were they called? Those the Tamagotcha robots. Yeah, it looks like Tamagotchi. There's a bunch of them, and they get weirder and stranger, but it doesn't change their behavior. It doesn't change their ability. It's the same enemy, just with a different skin. Yeah, but some of them are ridiculous. you got these things that look like... Candy wrappers. That candy wrappers that are flipping... Oh, yeah, exactly, which I know well because those are the f- levels 15 and 16 and stuff. So <laughs> where everywhere I die is the oh, candy wrapper levels. Yeah. And as you said, there were 150 levels in the original. Even Championship Loadrunner, which came, much, came later on, it was a lot harder only had 50 levels, still double the amount of levels that they had in this game. For whatever reason, IRAM chose random levels. So level one, the original, is the original level one in the home game. Level two is the third level from the home game. Level three is the fifth level. Level four is the 80th level. Level five drops back to the 13th. It's all over the place. Um, Not that it mattered. I couldn't get past level 15, and I attribute that one to the droning, pounding soundtrack that just made me go insane. Uh, I attribute it to, to Carrington's voodoo. And I, as I said, I attribute it to, to cheating. I think this ROM cheats. I'm angry at it. I hate it. I hate you for making me play this. And I'm, I'm, I'm going home and taking my toys with me. Goodbye. You are home at the moment. Uh, well, and you picked the game. Well, I didn't like the fact that they, 
essentially shrunk the levels as well. Like the the grid in the home version is a twenty eight by sixteen grid. I I kept feeling like it was shrunk, so I just looked it up. So it's twenty eight by sixteen. Not that in pixels, but like it's made of blocks. The blocks you dig, the the size of your character. So those blocks twenty eight by sixteen. This is twenty four by fifteen. So even though it's got a, like a higher resolution than you'd have at home, they actually shrunk the grid down, I think, in a, as a way to make it faster, I guess. Um, but what I did like is this whole split thing. Like in the home version, it's laid out as an even grid, 28 by 16, nice and square. This version has some of the columns are shifted by like half a grid. So you can dig, but then you can't dig in a certain areas because it's not all flush. And I have no idea why they did that. There are certain decisions that I just don't understand. I get the, I get the timer thing. I, I hate it, but I get why they do it. I don't know about you. I think you told me that, that you were able to do this too. I f- was able to play through all, all 150 levels on my mm-hmm. Apple II. Sure. And I could do it without having to re- restart. Which is why I thought I would be able to get through here. <laughs> I thought, oh, no problem. But the thing is, if, if you've got players like you and I and you have 150 or even 24 very difficult levels, you're not going to get a lot of coins dropped in unless you mm-hmm. find a way to, to hurry the players through the game. And, and you do that by, by setting a, a timer. Now you get a bonus depending on how much time is left on the timer when you complete the level. And if you do it in less than half the time, you get double the bonus. And there are some other changes like, um, you get like 10,000, I think, if you don't kill any of the enemy, which means that they can drop in the pit. But as long as they climb out again and don't die, you get a bonus for that. What was the twenty thousand one? There was there's a ten thousand bonus you don't for, for trap, that. If you don't trap anybody, the entrapment bonus is thirty thousand. I think I thought okay. there was a twenty thousand as well. Like, so I thought it was twenty if you. I don't remember. I know. I know you. I thought it was twenty if you don't trap anybody. Ten thousand if you don't kill anybody. Right. And ten thousand if you trap everybody. Like trap as in not trap them all, but to actually like get them so nobody can get to you. There'll be this moment where he's like, hey. No bad guys can get to you. You get 10,000 points. Right. So they built these, these mechanisms into, I think, appeal to somebody who's played a lot of arcade games, maybe has not seen this on the Apple II and, and is expecting certain mechanisms to be there, to be familiar, to, to make you want to keep playing. Like I said, I don't think the timer was a good idea. I know why they did it. I still disagree with it. Overall, I just, this just does not feel like a very good game. I, I didn't, and maybe, no. well, maybe, Maybe it's my bias for the for my love of the uh, Apple II home game. I kept wondering that same thing. Like, if I had never played Load Runner before, would I be as negative about this? Is this just because – am I like one of those people who's watching a movie made of a book I love, and I go and say, it's not the book, it's not the book. Have I become that whining guy? Uh, maybe this is a great game, and we're just, like, too biased because we love the original Load Runner. But I can't know. Like, I can't step out of out of my head enough to – to be unbiased. I, every change they made, I was like, why would you make the change? I think change? there are some things that, you know, that bias is going to affect us no matter what if, if you have that previous but experience. But if you haven't and- played this game, then it's not a change to you. Like, if you could just come to this fresh, I think we need listeners to who have never played Load Runner to play the game and tell us if it's any good. Yes, please, definitely. We'd be interested to hear what you have to say. Because maybe I'd love it. I mean, Load Runner... The load runner that I, I do love, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the home version, is one of my all-time favorite games, which again means my bias is all the stronger. But that also means that the heart of the gameplay here, the ideas behind it and the, and the, the mechanics of it really appeal to me. Like I, I do love load runner in a very, very basic way. So you'd think there'd be something here I'd like, but it was like, grinding my teeth to play this game. Well, and that's the thing. If you strip away the, the weird arcade mechanics and the scoring and the timer and the eye candy, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, they, they didn't add extra lasers. You can't jump. You know, the bad guys don't, can't fly around or do anything that they and didn't do goodness. in the home game. Yeah. And also the timer, man. Timer bugged me. Uh, and I get well, totally be, you have to put it in. Because especially in the later levels, it really starts playing a factor. In Pitfall 2, you and I never got far enough where that mattered, but in, in this game we did, and it, man, oh, it irritated me so much. In Pitfall 2, you could grab those money bag things so frequently, I found the timer was almost a non-issue. Right. You just kept adding to I would add time as quick as I was getting it. It was never an issue. I would just die in other ways. Here, by the end, I was often dying because I would run out of time. And I was like, ah, stinking, or it would make me rush because of the time. And just, uh well, it would start this this awful beeping noise uh, as as it got closer to zero. And to, it doesn't beep according doom. to the numbers. It doesn't beep like, oh, every 
200 points left. It'd be, no, it's like randomly beeping. It would drive, I'm, I'm so anal. It would drive me crazy. I'd look at it and go, it's not matching the number. It's like it's on its own timer for this beep that doesn't match the countdown. And even that drove me crazy. I really nitpicking. Yes, your doom is coming, Karen. <laughs> so Load Runner featured the, I guess what was called the IRAM M62 system hardware platform, which meant that it had a Z80 a CPU mm. at 4 megahertz, a sound CPU, which was an M6803 at 8.894.886 kilohertz, and several AY8910 uh, sound chips, as well as two MSM5205 at 384 kilohertz. kilohertz. So a lot of power behind the sound, which... So those would be sound as well. So that's, yeah, a lot for the yeah. sound. So it, it needed, well, you got that, that, what <laughs> that a stupid waste. song. <laughs> yeah. The stupid song playing over and over in the background, but you had a lot of game sounds as well. Now, I, one of the things that I did notice and that really bugged me about this game was that they didn't take any of the sound from the home game except for one sound. And that would have been fine if they hadn't taken that. If you just redone the sound, I would have been able to accept that. But the sound of of your avatar as he falls from level to level uh, from the Apple II ended up in this game. And it's really it was really disconcerting and kind of knocked me out of the game at first because nothing else sounds the same. No, the, the, the digging, shooting, the shoot dig thing you do in particular was a sound. I did not like their sound choice. Right. Uh, and you do it a lot. So I was like, oh, goodness, that noise. This is a two-player alternating game, an eight-way joystick, two buttons to dig left and right. Is it an eight-way joystick, not a four? You know what? I bet you it is. It is, because I was playing it with an eight-way. It just hit me. And it is that is something that I find the – okay, some of the things that I liked about the game – and all of them are just like, here's stuff I like from the home version that, that, <laughs> that they kept in. But trying to be unbiased, I like that in this game, it works correctly. If you're, if you're running towards a ladder and so and to, to your right, so you're pressing right and you start pressing right and up, you keep on running. And when you hit the ladder, you just immediately go up. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you get to the platform, you immediately start going right again. So you can do sort of predictive joysticking and you you need to sometimes because these bad guys are right on your tail. So, and that worked really well. I also liked that in, in this game versus the home one, they seem to want to speed up the game in a lot of ways, but they slowed down. I think how long it takes the bad guys to come out of a pit because in the home version, if you oh, dig oh, oh, three so pits in a row, oh, so angry. Go ahead. I'm you sorry. have, you have to like, you can barely make over them. Mm, here you dig three in a row and they seem to sit. I'm going to rant about that. You're going to rant about that. About well, that. So, so you get to, you get to a 10,000 bonus, 10,000 point bonus for not killing any of the enemies. It's hard to not kill the enemy. Well, and, and I think, I think that this is, I, I insist and I know that I'm correct here that the game cheated this way because every now and then, as right as I'm almost to the end of the game, one of those little idiots would like start to climb out and then just jump right then, back into the hole. And jump and, right back in or they will climb out and they'll just stop climbing for just no reason. So you don't get your 10,000 bonus. I'm, I'm convinced that it was punishing me for beating its level. I think it was just bad coding Screw you, all I the ran. time. <laughs> all the time they wouldn't climb out when there, there would be ample time and no reason not to climb out. I'm like, come on. But I did like that on this game, there, if you're racing up a ladder and there's going to be a guy going to sort of climb over the top to get at you, there's always this moment that you can get to the top of the ladder and you can always dig a pit before they'll walk in. They seem to have this slight pause. Again, might be bad coding, but I found I could use that to my advantage. So these little pauses would help my game a bit, but I, I think it was because it was sloppy. There were other scoring mechanisms in there too that, that I'm just thinking about that as we were thinking about the pits because you get like, I think if – a bag of gold was like 200, but if you, when the bad guy falls in the hole, if he's got a bag, he'll automatically leave it sitting on top of him. And if you pick it up at that point, it's 500 points. If you drop two of them and they both have bags and you pick up both bags, the first one's 500, the next one's 800. Mm -hmm. If you get three guys to drop in a row and you run all the way across before they start climbing out, that's like a thousand points or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I kept wondering why I would get points for that. I'm like, what's going on? Why do I get points? They're all, like you said, they're only in there for a limited amount of time. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then they start climbing out. So if you, but they're in there longer, definitely right, than but the home version. You can't, you can't bury four in a row no. and get all the way across. No. And, and you can just barely get across three. And so if you did, they give you points for that sort of thing. You also get points if you walk on the head of one of them when it's alive, because you like, you'd fall down and you run off to the side. I like doing that. This game isn't, I guess, totally without redemption. I mean, it's, it wasn't as horrible as Satan of Saturn or, or anything like that. Um, but I mean, really, if you're going to play this game, just, just go get an emulator or fire up your Apple II or Commodore 64. Especially if you're going to play it in MAME, frankly. If you're going to play this in emulation anyway, 
Emulate the real version. I don't understand why. Well, actually, well, it's I do. less pink. I, I, I do understand this is that you love this game at home, now play it in the arcade, even if it sucks, you know, <laughs> and, and for the two or three months that players try it out before they realize, God, this thing is terrible and stop playing it, they get some quarters out of it enough to at least recoup their investment in making the thing, and then they move on to something else. I guess, but it's just like, ugh. Tell me about the cabinet, please. Okay, the cabinet, I hate to say it, is actually kind of nice. <laughs> so it's got a decent shape to it. It's got, unlike the last game, at least it has it has bezel art. It's got decent-looking load runner marquee, decent-looking bezel art with around the monitor with some instructions on it, and fairly simple but you know nicely colorful control panel, single red ball joystick in the middle and two buttons because you can fire either way. It's a two-button game. What I like about it, I think, in particular, is it's blue bricks. The the bezel art, the marquee, <laughs> oh, from the, the control panel game. have the correct colors, <laughs> but the game got it wrong. So I like the cab, but the cabinet would make a nice cabinet to house your Apple II emulator. <laughs> so they only made an upright. There was no cocktail, as far as I know, and they never made a a cabaret as well, just the one. But it's nicely sort of notched on the side. It's got a it's got a really pleasant shape to it. I gotta say, I actually like the cabinet because other than the bezel, the marquee, and the control panel, there's no side art at all. It's just wood grain, like fake wood grain all around it. I kind of dig it. It's all like, hey, my wood grain cabinet. (laughs) So it's super cheesy, but I kind of like it. But to be honest, like the only really good cabinet for this game would be an Apple IIe. That's the perfect cabinet to play (laughs) loader in. That is your cabinet. It's it's decent looking though. I I couldn't find a single one for sale though. I could not find a single one that has sold in the last year. I couldn't find any stores selling it. I couldn't find any on eBay. I couldn't find anything in the XCD price guide. I have no idea what you would pay for one of these cabinets because nobody seems to have any of them for sale anywhere in the world. Not that you should buy it. (laughs) We didn't like this game, obviously. But apparently enough people did that they were able to make a long and profitable series of games following this. There was Load Runner 2, The Bungling Strikes Back, yeah. Load Runner 3, The Golden Labyrinth, uh, which was called something else in Japan that I can't pronounce. There was uh, Load Runner 4, another Japan only game. Load Runner The Dig Fight, and then it was ported to every home computer out there. Uh, there's Flash games. It's on the iPhone. This game. And there's like a thousand sequels. There's like, those are the, just the, but I mean, I couldn't even name the number of sequels. Like, uh, there have been dozens of Loadrunner games for every system and different ones on everything. Like, it's crazy. There was a board game in, in Japan, which is, I actually kind of want. It was yeah, made by, um, I saw that. I'm like, oh, uh, Don Carlston. Yeah. Bro- Broderbund. Uh, it was only in Japan. It's got eight, eight different play levels or something. And I, I so want one of those. <laughs> Um, it was also, as, I think it was the first third-party title for the for the Famicom, like Loadrunner for Famicom NES. I'm pretty sure, I should have looked it up, but I'm going to go out on the limb and say, it, my mm. memory is, it's the first third-party title for the Famicom, and it sold like you know 1.3 or 1.5 million copies. It was like crazily wow. popular on the NES. It was at least popular enough in the arcades for them to do several sequels. Uh, oh, did you find the Easter egg? No. <laughs> what was the Easter egg? So on each level, there is a hidden the, There monster. was an Easter egg on every level? Oh, oh, that I had that happened to me once. There's one particular level where I seem to get this other guy who was like a... He was the next level's man. Right. There was one on every single level. Buried randomly oh. in the level somewhere is a monster. And if you uncover him, it will start chasing after you. But when you entrap him, you get a big bonus, like three between three and th- three and eight thousand points. I can't believe I didn't figure out that's what's going on. Yeah, I I only oh. saw it like twice in all the hours. I can't believe I played this game for so many hours, uh, <laughs> hours, hours and hours that there there were in this game. I don't like this game. I I don't like it. I don't need the. <laughs> I also though played it a whole bunch. There's something addictive <laughs> yeah, about Loadrunner, man. I kept thinking it's weird. We're both uh, racking on this game, but we both I played it, it a bunch. I gotta keep playing it. I gotta keep. Playing I know it. it's the it's the siren call of Loadrunner. Oh, something. There's something primal about this game. Apparently, it, it, it called me stronger than it called you. However, uh, I don't like the fact that I got farther in this game than you did, and I can't come near your score. This is, and also, I don't like the fact that it was quite some time ago you tweeted your score. So I've had ample time to try to beat it. And so I have no one I have been unable to for quite some time. <laughs> so yes, I, I, I tweeted my score out yesterday. I did not uh, 
did not make it. Well, when you posted yours, they was like 160,000 or something like right. that. And I had, at that time, I had 120. I was like, oh, I'm confident. No problem. I got them. I'm like, oh, 40,000 points. And I was mad because I got to go play this crappy game again. <laughs> I was done. and wasn't going to play it again. I'm like, oh, darn you, Carrington. So I kept playing and I kept playing and I kept playing and then I kept playing. And as much as I hated it, I didn't stop playing. And I didn't get as far because I only made it to level 15, but the game that I got my high score, I started out really well because I had two of those no entrapment bonuses, 20,000 points, right? Right at the beginning. And then the next couple of levels, I got the, the no kill bonus. I did really well early on, which allowed me on level 15 to rack up 223,250 points. Now I never <sighs> got, I never got anywhere near that score again as I was continuing to play because it's, I guess one of those like got in the zone or whatever you want to call it. But I think it was enough to beat you, Carrington. It was my, oh. the best that I did was uh, two two hundred seventeen thousand three hundred ninety, and that was on level sixteen. I actually made it to level sixteen <laughs> a few times. I got farther than you, but I could not get your. Doesn't score. count. And usually, I would get to level sixteen, and I'd only have about one hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy thousand points. So I would frequently get to level sixteen, well, fifteen or sixteen, and not even come close to the score. So my scores are all over the place. A lot comes down to your bonuses. Oh, another bonus we never talked about was when the timer is counting down. If you have more than half of it left, mm-hmm. then you get twice as much. You double it, the bonus. It, it doubles right? your bonus for more than le- less than half. It, it phrases it weird, but it means you've used less than half the time you needed. So, so there are certain certainly uh, ways to run up the score here that that I was, I was better, <laughs> better at than, than you. Me. And, <laughs> Definitely. And, uh, level I'm, sixteen. I'll tell people if you've played Load Runner, level sixteen is a level that there, you can't dig. There's no. It's the first level you get to. There is no just where ladders. you can dig at all. All it is is ladders, and that's it. Uh, in fact, there's no solid bricks. It's just ladders. There's just ladders. And what I have always thought of as pipes, because the ones that are vertical, but they're really supposed to be ladders. You're just seeing them edge on. But in my mind, I always think it's the ladders are the up and down and pipes are left and right. And so all there are are ladders and pipes, pipelines. And that's it. And so it's a, it's a level that has the equivalent level in the original. And it's something you've got to take your time with. You've got to like, because there's two ladders that go to the very bottom and you can't dig there. And so if you drop to the bottom and there's, enemies on both sides of you you're absolutely doomed because you can't make it to either ladder so you have to finesse all the bad guys to the right and then finesse all the bad guys to the left and you've got to do it by one of those things where you find a tricky place we say oh if i hang on this bit of this ladder it'll make everybody run the one way and and then get high enough that i can drop down and and you got to keep playing that game and if there wasn't this stinking timer, there'd be no problem. But I kept getting to level 16 and I would always run out of time. I swear there's no way to do that level because there simply isn't enough time to do it properly. Like it just, ah. So even if, even if I was going to use like, this is a game, another game where you can continue because it wants to keep getting quarters out of you. But if you're going to continue on the same level, I could, I could spend $500 and I'm still not going to get past this level. There's just not enough time. Darn it. Level 16 can bite me. That part of the mechanic reminded me a lot of Pitfall, where when you die and you start over, there's a lot of tedious repetition to get back to where you were. You have yep. a lot of gameplay to go through before you can get back to, okay, well, let's get back into the challenge of this. For me, it'd be the sound. I would die, and then the music would stop, and I would think, if I start again, that music's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I joked about this on Pitfall 2, where I said they were doing that maliciously to punish us, you know? <laughs> um, and it felt a lot more like it in this game but it's i you know obviously to encourage you to do the continue rather than to start over and extend your play on a single quarter because even if even if you're playing the same tired old stuff again that's quarters that are not being dropped in the machine for the operator man i just there's nothing there's just so little to like about this game and even if there was more to like there's just no point i mean you got you've got a, a better experience on your Apple II, and you can even emulate it. You know, I, I don't, I don't see why you would, anybody would want this cabinet other than maybe if, if this was your first experience with Load Runner in the arcade way back when you loved it and you've never played anything else, then yeah, I could see you wanting <laughs> And you refused to play anything. Oh, else. and you know what else I was thinking of? We talked about how the original game was about strategy and taking your time and sort of plotting your course and how you manipulate the enemy to move in certain yes. ways. One of the neat things about the Apple II version was that when the level first started, so when that little iris would open up and you're standing there, you're <sighs> blinking, 
and nobody's moving. They're not yeah, moving. You get to wait as long as you want and come up with a strategy. You can sort of plan, try and plan ahead in your head how you're going to move and, and try to predict, okay, where are they going to move? You don't get that in this. This is just right into running. I also like the iris better in the home version. <laughs> I'm just going to like everything is better in the home version. It's less, less blocky. I don't understand how the home version has fewer <laughs> pixels. And even the guy, your man is made of just a couple of blocks, but it, he runs. It's such a cool, great looking guy in the home version. And it's such crappy graphics in this one. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't like this and I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. But like Carrington said, if you're out there and you've never played the home version, and you do like this, please let us know what yeah. your experience is because I'd like to hear it. I mean, maybe, maybe we're just, it is just bias. We might just be part. so jaded and tired and old and biased. I know Carrington is that we're just in a, a judgmental rut that we can't get out of. So I hope so. Man, I think <laughs> I like punish- a judgmental rut. <laughs> I think our punishment should be to, 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 to watch Hollywood zap again. <laughs> that wasn't, no, no, no. I'm going to watch uh, Better Off Dead instead. You've got that. Uh, a much I'm, better I'm, choice, I think. Yeah. And and next week's next week's game, I'm sure, is a better choice. Can't be much worse. Well, actually, well, can. we've had a couple of them, and we'll uh, see. <laughs> yes. What do you got in store for us next week, Mike? Well, here's what you're gonna play. So thank you for podcasting with me once again, Carrington. Even if the game Absolutely. wasn't that great, the the banter was, and it's always good, always <laughs> fun. Win. To, You're happy because you won. Always fun to beat you at any game <laughs> that we play. Oh, so frustrating! <laughs> I really thought I was going to get this one. <sighs> snatching, uh, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory once again. The jaws are they those shaky jaws from oh, Hollywood? My goodness, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Got to be. Excellent. Well, okay. We'll podcast again next week. Sounds good to me. Talk to you then. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. So you're Al Myers, kid? Yes, I am. You look pretty stupid to me. Thank you. Let's see if you have any brains, huh? First, you take the wheat. Understand? Yeah. Pat it into pig mold. Push it in the pig mold. No. This is a push. This is a pat. Then you take the pig mold and you put it up on the tray. Now put on this hat. You see that sign out there? You wear it with pride. Put it on! You gotta have pride and class in this business. You understand this, kid? Now. Those are the keys to this establishment. I want you in here at 6 a.m. Saturday morning. Now, this place has to be swept and mopped up before the breakfast crew get here. Where are you going? I'm going to go wash my hands. I got a mold and packed. You wash your hands on your own time, boy. Now, get to work. Yes, sir. Pat pig. What? Pat. Pat pig.